You're listening to the premier podcast for men who want to not only be better with women, but want to be better men in general. This is the Come On Man podcast. And here's your host, Paul Bauer. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another week of Come On Man. If you haven't done so already, please like, fave, subscribe, hit those notifications. If you're listening on your favorite audio platform of choice, please give us a five-star review. I noticed on Spotify that you can do a five-star review now. So if you're listening on Spotify, hook a, hook a brother up. Leave a comment too. If you're, if you're watching on, on YouTube, leave a comment. Uh, all this stuff boosts me in the algorithm and gets me in front of more men. So if you find my content helpful and you think more men should listen, this is how you can best help out the show at no cost to you. <laughs> All right. Joining me this week is a pretty sharp young buck. He's from the Netherlands, so he's Dutch. <laughs> you may have seen him on the occasional Rule Zero episode as a panelist. If you've ever listened to a Troy Francis audiobook, you'll recognize his voice as well. And he, he hosts his own YouTube channel. So on his YouTube channel, uh, he has a show called Truthcast, and he's got another one on Friday nights called Red Evening, which I was able to join him on. Uh, at the time of this recording, we recorded the interview before I went on his Red Evening, but this episode is dropping after that Red Evening uh, episode. So Go back and watch him on, or watch me on Red Evening. My man, his name is Jack Napier, and uh, he's a, he's pretty sharp. He's besides all this other stuff that he's doing, he's also a uh, certified physical trainer. So we get into physical fitness a little bit. He hates running. He hates that I run. He really wants to change that, but I'm not gonna fucking I'm not gonna fucking stop running, Jack. Okay. Not for you, not for anybody. All right. My knees are just fine. Thank you very much. (laughs) All right, guys, I'll bring you that conversation with Jack Napier right after these words. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Ghostbed. You want to get laid, right? Well, she wants to be comfortable while you do it. She doesn't want the spring from your old busted mattress jabbing her in the ass. So up your bedroom game and do her on a ghost bed. The link is in the description. Your purchase helps support the show and she's going to come back for Mo. Win-win. See what I did there? Remember, use the link in the description. Oh, you'll sleep better too, but we all know what you hornballs really care about. Do her on a ghost bed. All right, joining me this week is a pretty sharp young buck from the Netherlands. You may have seen him on the occasional Rule Zero episode as a panelist. If you have listened to Troy Francis's audiobooks, you might recognize his voice. Not to mention he hosts Red Evening and The Truthcast. 
It's Jack Napier. What's going on, man? Not much, Paul. Thank you very much for having me. Delighted to be here. Yeah. You know, I just want to say it's a, uh, that's a nice beanie you have there. Did you get yours with your copy of the Rational Mail? <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> no. I always hope to get a signed beanie one day. It's like, a, it's a, it really has become a manosphere thing where it's like, yeah, gotta have the beanie, man. I is I I've been wearing beanies for a couple of years now, and uh, I just I just think it's hilarious that it seems like every every guy in the space wears a beanie, and I'm like, well, I got to fit in somehow. So <laughs> mm, it's our secret clothing thing that when you see us walking down the street, and you're like, oh my god, he has a beanie. Does he know? And then you look at each other. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like we're we're multiplying, man. Yeah. The knowledge yeah. is spreading. You, you unplugged? You unplugged, bro? Yeah. You unplugged, <laughs> and, and by the way, we keep hammering on that it's not a cult. And here I am telling you all the secrets about, well, clothing and things like yeah, that. Yeah, well, they don't know the secret handshake. So that is true. That is true. <laughs> so, first things first, there are only two things I can't stand in this world one is intolerance of other people's cultures and the Dutch. <laughs> I've been wanting to say that for years. <laughs> okay, what did we do this time? <laughs> yeah, are you, you've seen Austin Powers, right? That's an Austin yeah, Powers. Yeah. I, oh man, I hate the American representation of the Dutch. I completely hate it. First of all, like Goldfinger or uh, no Gold member, right? Goldfinger is the. It was the it was Gold right? member, yeah. Yeah, and then you have uh, Michael Bay's port, um, portrayal of the Dutch in Transformers. It's either two or three where he has a character named Hans and um, somebody goes, yeah, he's Dutch. And he proceeds to speak German. It's like, dude, really? (laughs) You stem from us. Like we are your forefathers and you shit on your heritage like this. Because it's true, by the way, like a lot of founders were Dutch or something like that. The Brits and the Dutch. Like a lot of Dutch colonies started in uh, the new country now called America. Mm, fair enough. Fair enough. We used to own New York. We sold it for like two bucks or something like that, 25 cents. It's a, it's a bit of a weird story, and I don't know the details, but it's something like that. And I heard that New York was originally purchased from uh, the natives uh, for some for some wampum, like like some beads and shit. Man, that used to get you somewhere, man. Inflation is a bitch. <laughs> now they have uh, they have the, the 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 Bitcoin. Is that what you guys call it? The- <laughs> <laughs> have you been listening to Rob? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I can't buy my booze with my Bitcoin, Jack. You need to get my booze. How the hell am I supposed to purchase that with Bitcoin? That is the best impression I can make. I can make out of Rob. <laughs> American accent is the only one I can do. I was asked to do an audio book, like, but can you do an American accent? I'm like, I American't, man. I was like, no. I mean, you're, you're, I mean, the your accent's not very thick, though. So I don't think you necessarily need to do an American accent when you're doing audio books. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, the actual Dutch accent in English is way worse. Look up Louis van Gaal, G double A L. That is the standard Dutch accent in English. Or, um, God, what's his name? Our former prime minister, um, Balkanende. Balkanende. Uh, mm-hmm. Those two had a horrible, thick Dutch accent. And for some odd reason, every time I speak English, this comes out. 
It's like, like, how did you get the accent? I'm like, I don't know. I just started talking English, and this is what came of it. Yeah. Well, it, you speak English very well. Thank you. You're welcome. So uh, I, you know, I first uh, actually heard about you after I saw I saw various tweets from some of the other Rule Zero guys, uh, and that that was right after I, I reached out to Rolo to ask him to come on the show, and and then when I had Cappy on, he specifically mentioned you in that interview, <clears throat> and you've you narrated Troy Francis's audiobooks. I mean, how did a, a young guy from the Netherlands get involved with those guys? Oh, that's that's a pretty interesting story, which goes way back to the podcast that shall not be named. Um, Why where shall it not be named? Are, yeah, the show that shall not be named. Uh, a long time ago from some guy who's in Orlando and now has decided ah. to shit all over the space. Yes, yes. Where it's uh, like, oh, yeah. But... Um, <laughs> I was in that chat in the beginning and people were asking about books and I had read like so much because I've always been interested in like human behavior and things like that. I have a, I have a minor in uh, psychology and philosophy and things like that. And I was always interested with it. Mm -hmm. And people kept talking about books and which one to read and things like that. I'm like, huh, well, I can pretty much answer that for you. And hmm, okay, so there is a want for that in this space. So I just made a YouTube video reviewing the 48 Laws of Power and how one can apply it to real life. Okay. And I had been talking to Ryan every now and then in the DMs. And I was like, well, you know what? I've got an idea. And I'm uh, probably like, putting it online in January. But back then, it was add-on and things like that because it's it's kind of the... Um, thing you have to ask yourself, like, do I want to have my face out there? Don't I want it? It is a bit of controversial theory, so let's not do it. So that was an hour-long rambling of me just discussing the 48 Laws of Power, and I uploaded it, and Ryan watched it, and he retweeted that, he put it out there, and that's kind of how it started. Okay. And then I asked John from Modern Life Dating, hey, I heard you mention The Art of Seduction by Robert Greene. Do you want to do a review together? He's like, yeah, sure. The first recording didn't go as planned, which is a very funny story, but oh. I'll save that for a different day. Okay. And we did a second one. And at the end, John looked at me. He's like, kid, have you thought of narrating? I'm like, no, why? He's like, you got a good voice. Try it out. See what happens. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh. I've never thought of that, actually. Like, I, I had compliments before in my English from teachers and things like that, but I, I never figured narrating. So I looked at books in the space, and I looked at guys who didn't have an audiobook yet. So what I did was I narrate, narrated, apologies, the introduction to a couple of books, one of them being Gendernomics 1 from Carl from Black Label Logic. So I narrated the introduction and I send it to him like, hey, I noticed you didn't have an audio book yet. I'm getting into narrating. What do you think of this? Well, Carl got back to me and he's like, do it. Mm -hmm. You can do it. Have it. So I recorded that. That was launched. And that was the beginning of all of this. Like, okay, Jack's been doing shit. He's actually providing value. He's narrating stuff that hasn't been narrated yet. 
So go ahead and do it. And that just snowballed into all of this. And I continued reviewing books. That's how I met Rob from Masculine Geek, Mm -hmm. who I reviewed The Manipulated Man by Esther Villar with. And I wanted to have a podcast kind of thing as well, where it's just, you know what? We're not talking about books or whatever. We're just talking about normal, average day life as a guy who knows this knowledge. Sure. That's how Red Evening got started. Although my first episode was with Tim Hicks, who by then went under the name Red Pill Dad, something like that. I believe it would. Yeah, Red Pill Dad, I believe it was. Tim Hicks. Very, very kind guy, by the way. But that was the first episode with Red Evening. That snowballed into what it is now on a uh, weekly basis on a Friday night, if you're American, Saturday morning for me, of just two guys bantering on about life while being red pill where like Rob's, how old is he? He's almost 50. I believe he turned 50 even. Mm-hmm. Uh, been divorced, still dating, whatever. And me as the young guy, or young, quote unquote, uh, 31, sharing his experience with him and getting that, oh, I remember when I was your age, Jack. Like, oh, you're in for one wild ride. And Rob giving the perspective of, oh, wow, like it doesn't have to end at 40. Like, oh, because you hear a lot about that. Yeah. And that's how you and I got a bit engaging on Twitter, where it's like, oh, you can still date 23-year-olds when you're 50, no matter what anybody says. Like, oh. Yeah, you you absolutely can. Uh, because yeah, what I I mean, I got into this just just a couple of years ago. I'm I'm really new to the space, and it was because I uh, in 2019, the summer of 2019, I and I got a, a I broke up with a gal that I had dated for four and a half years. Now this gal was a chick that she was basically the the first relationship outside of my divorce. And I, I mean, I was rushing into that next relationship, you know, like, you know, total blue pill type guy, you know, just sniper mentality. First girl that gives me some attention. I'm all in. (laughs) And so four and a half years later, all of a sudden, yeah. Oh dude. Yeah. Most of us have. So four and a half years later that goes under and I'm just like, what the hell happened here? Uh, the difference, though, that time going on the dating circuit and uh, after my divorce, though, is that I was like 50 pounds lighter. I was in much better shape. And I found that it was much easier to get dates. So I was going out on dates and getting like first and second, third dates. I was hooking up with chicks. I couldn't keep these chicks around, though, past like a third date because I was such a needy little bitch. And and so I was just like, what the hell am I doing wrong here? And so that really is what started my, my knowledge quest. I, I really wanted to dig into what I was doing wrong. And that's how I, I, I fell into the, the space. And, you know, one of, the, one of the first books I read in the space was No More Mr. Nice Guy by Dr. Robert Glover. Mm-hmm. And classic book. And, and then I th- like short, shortly after that, I read uh, Doc Loves the System. Have you re- have you read that one? No, the only one I read from Glover is No More Mr. Nice Guy. Well, well, so this is Doc Love. It's a he was a radio host like early two oh, thousands or something. Him? No, I haven't read it, but I I know who you mean. Like uh, yeah. Wayne talks about him as well, right? Right. Yeah, and it's essentially 
the whole concept of 3% being a 3% man came from doc love and mm. a lot of Corey's, uh, you know, game in his book came from doc love, you know, it's, it's all mm-hmm. doc love stuff. Although I feel like Corey Wayne, uh, explains it much better. Yeah. I, I did not like doc love's book. So, uh, <laughs> but you know, that, that sort of brings me to the next topic here because, you and I were going back and forth, you know, and, and like we talked about off air, the, this podcast started out of a group of Corey Wayne's students, you know, specifically the book, How to Be a 3% Man. And going back with you on Twitter, it was pretty clear that you actually read the book. Mm-hmm. 10 to 15 times, as he ha- recommends. Have you really? Yes, years ago. Okay. And well, why did you stop? I'm just. Oh, uh, because I, I had it at 15. You got your diploma. Done, and, yeah, yeah, I got my diploma. I graduated <laughs> from the Corey Wayne High School and things like that. And um, well, at a certain point, because I thought I had it. I thought I had it. Like, okay, and now I have a doubt. And this is where um, Corey Wayne's information is incomplete. Okay. Because I, I will grant him this. His text game explanations and things like that, like you and I talked about off air, where it's like, it's a game of tennis. It's message forward, message back. And it's very simple. If she doesn't reply, she's not busy. You're not important. Mm -hmm. And now some people will say exception to the norm because we are online. And of course you have to take this into consideration. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course, your dog might die. Grandma might fall and your mother might get ill. But, you can either cling on to whatever excuse that's in your mind, or you can just be like, you know what? She's got better shit to do than respond to me moving on. Now, mm-hmm. let's say she comes back. That's a pleasant surprise. And the game continues. Right. But I remember, um, and this is where his information is incomplete, where I remember breaking up back then with my last LTR who yeah. went back to the guy who cheated on her three times with a different girl. And wow. I was just flabbergasted because I thought hypergamy had one side, which was the, the excel and everything side and provide and things like that. And I was like, how the, like, is this daddy issues, which daddy issues in all honesty is just complete nonsense. But is it that, is it, is it, Whatever, because I was way more jacked than he was. Mm-hmm. In all honesty, he was a bit of a pudgy motherfucker. But he cheated on her, whatever, and she went back to him. And I just could not understand that. Yeah. So it's like Corey Wayne's information is missing something. Right. And then I found, and for the life of me, I cannot remember his name. Unfortunately, his name was Greg something. Not Greg Adams, by the way, but... The, Greg, I can't remember. And he was like, he said the same thing I'm just saying now. Like, yes, read the 3% man, but also read the rational meal. Like, what's that? Mm. What's that? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And Rolo filled in the gaps for me. Like the rational meal, the book filled in the gaps for me. Because then I found the quote by Pook, women would would rather share a successful alpha than be stuck to a faithful beta. I'm like, that's it. 
that's the thing I was doing wrong. Like I was so focused on not being able to provide and things like that because I'd lost my job and I didn't really know what I wanted to do and blah, 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 Mm -hmm. that I let that get the best of me, which made her go back to the guy who was exciting and things like that. And now she has a kid with him. Like God knows how long that will work out. But I mean, in all honesty, I wish her the best, of course. Yeah. But that's when I knew, like, I've been focusing on the wrong things. Right. So, but that's something Wayne never talks about. Because Wayne's very good in, like, like the game aspect of, like, back and forth, blah, 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 blah. And focusing on becoming a better man and becoming a better provider. But he rarely talks about the excitement part. Mm-hmm. That's where Rolo kind of comes in, like, yeah, all's fine and dandy. Be a better provider and be a good plow horse. But... Tell me this then. Why do girls go home with the broke drummer who's homeless? And why did they go home with Tyrone? Why did they go home with the drug dealer? Well, and that's how he explained hypergamy, that it has two sides. Mm-hmm. The provision side and the excitement side. Right. And I was like, oh. So that's why I was used to, that's why I was able to get girls in my like goth emo years being a drummer and things like that now sure. it weren't like dozens or whatever but i was able to get girls but then i was like oh so that's why that worked but i was so heavily focused on no i need to provide and things like that but when i read rollo's work it was kind of like wow i don't really have to focus on that now do i just for <laughs> myself like what i want out of life not because somebody would um calculate my value compared to their own because of it. It's like, oh, okay. Now the things are getting interesting. Yeah. Yeah. One, that's sort of one of the things um, I, I didn't really put like Rolo's work or um, Rich's work. I think like Rich has been a more of an influence on me than, than Rolo specifically, but uh, I, I didn't really put the red pill stuff ideas into motion uh, until a little further on, but I did realize that certain things weren't working, right? And so I, I always talk about like my my holy trinity, and I found that stuff in you know Atomic Attraction. Have you have you read that? No. Oh, you'll love it. Yeah, Atomic Attraction is badass. In it, <laughs> it's uh, by a guy named Christopher Canwell, and I reached out to Christopher Canwell actually and asked him if he would come on the podcast, and and he was polite enough. He he emailed me back and said, "No, I'm too busy. I'm." I'm on hiatus and I'm working on my next book. It's like, okay, cool. But he, yeah, his book is really good. And, and, and some things that I, I found worked better is he talks about how taking like the strongest action possible is what women really respond to. And there's things in Corey's book, like the takeaway, right? Like if they flake on you and you do the takeaway, uh, I found like, it, it's just, that stuff doesn't really work that great. You know, like you need to sort of have a stronger response. And I found that Christopher Cannonwell's methods work better for stuff like that. And what's his method? I mean, his stuff is basically like, you know, if she flakes on you and doesn't give you like an alternative solution or an alternative time to meet up to just not even fucking respond. I agree with that fully. Just yeah. don't. Yeah. Don't, don't do the takeaway where it's like, oh, okay, no problem. Uh, you know, perhaps some other time, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Fucking, it's just, you don't fucking respond to that. It doesn't, because she doesn't respect you enough. 
<laughs> to give you at least another time, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, exactly. And the best response to that is no response. Speak without speaking. Like, right. okay, if you're going to flake on me, then bye. But right. you don't say that. And right. we've all been there. I mean, I've made the mistake that I'm saying I'm leaving. No, don't do it. Acta non verba. Just leave. Yeah. I, I've had instances where the takeaway worked. Absolutely. Sure. But in general, as time went on, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's social media or whatever. But I just learned as time went on, no response is just better. Mm -hmm. Because, yes, you might lose some. But... You can all, um, at least you're not focusing on something that doesn't reciprocate. Sure. What would you rather have? Somebody, and I've, I've had this discussion about, uh, about second dates as well, where it's like, how long do I wait for texting after the second date? And I'm kind of like, you don't. If she's into you, she'll come to you. Mm -hmm. that, that is just how women work. I know, I mean, you have a large female audience as well. Ladies, this is not like negative or whatever. From my experience, I have concluded that women who were into me did not wait for me to get back at them, but made their will known to me. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say, if they're into you, you don't have to text them. Mm -hmm. Not because of some evil gaming manipulation method. Yeah. No, just because... That has been my experience. That if women truly like me and want to be with me, I don't even have to put in effort. Right, and that and that's I would say that's definitely a, a strong test of interest for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is. Like you're you're not even home yet, and they're already texting you. Like, did you get home safe? Yes, yes. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Can I get some sleep? Easy now. Easy now. <laughs> Those are the best women, though. In all honesty, yeah. like. Why wouldn't you want a girl who's enthusiastic about you? Right. Yeah. And that's, and, and Wayne talks about that. And so does Glover, you know, they, mm -hmm. they both talk about walking through open doors. And I don't believe in maybe girls in all honesty, like yeah. the girls who you just have to put a little bit of more game into. No, it's not worth the no. effort. Yeah. Not it's, worth it, the effort. It really isn't. So what other books have really influenced you? That's a good one. So uh, you mentioned 48 Laws of Power, the yes. book of Pook. Pook? Pook? How do you pronounce that? I pronounce it as Pook. Pook. Okay. Book of Pook. 3% <laughs> uh, man, clearly rational male. Mm -hmm. um, Bachelor Pad Economics by Clary, although my favorite of Clary is Poor Richard's Retirement. I believe maybe sanity is the future of wealth is shorter than that one, but a close second would be poor Richard's retirement as his shortest book, which okay. goes more into minimalism and calculating what you actually need for retirement and things like that. Just the financial side of everything. Yeah. Kind of, but 48 laws of power really was my real red pilling sort of say, as in red pilling about society as a whole, that no, people don't care how hard you work. People don't care about how good you're at something. People care about how you make them feel. And mm -hmm. that to me was more of a red pilling than Rolo's work ever was. Mm -hmm. Because you keep slaving away, sort of say, like making people want to like you, putting in your best putting your best foot forward, putting in all the effort at work. And then you find out like the douchebag who's been slouching away gets the promotion. Mm -hmm. 
So 48 Laws of Power for me would like take first place. Um, for a book, I, uh, like for, for a book about ha- making or, or, or worrying about how people feel about you and stuff like that. What about uh, how to win friends and influence people? It's not. It's definitely not red pill. I mean, that's old school shit. No, but I mean, how to? Have you read it? I have. I have actually. But there's only one problem I have with that book. Okay. Is that nobody? Probably nobody else has read it. And what I mean by that is that book teaches you to like catch flies with with honey, not with acid. Mm-hmm. Always use people's name, things like that. But yeah. what I I found through the years is that the more socially capable I became the more I found how completely socially artistic, as Ryan likes to say it, people are. Because not many people are actually genuinely socially capable, is what I found. People rarely ask you about you. People rarely say your name. People often talk about themselves, what they have, what they feel, what they want, and they rarely ask anything about you. So you are there like developing yourself, learning social skills, things like that, only to be thrown into a world where everybody just cares about them alone. You know, that's, so I it, found... Hmm? Oh, no, go ahead, go no, ahead. No. Oh, I was going to say that uh, that's one of the things that I, I sort of thought was interesting when I was, you know, reading Rollo's work, right? About like women are, are solipsistic. And I'm like, I feel like everybody's, that way they sort of only see the world within their own little purview and they only give a shit about themselves like everyone's like that oh yeah for a majority but i mean most men these days are raised as defective women and true yeah the more you interact let's say like in offices or whatever the more you see that how feminine men have become yes and i'm i'm i can't even watch i can't even watch tv anymore Oh, no, absolutely not. Like, it sounds very negative, but ladies, what I mean by that is a feminine man is pretty awful to deal with, especially at work. Like the backstabbing and the going behind your back kind of thing. And that's just, that's female tactics of war, so to say. If you've read The Art of Seduction, you know exactly what I mean, like how Cleopatra acts truly became the queen of uh, Egypt. But having that kind of passive aggressive method of working with each other in the workspace, is just, it's just horrible. And like you said, like on Netflix and things like that, most guys there are just pansies where it's like <laughs> emotional, not being able to actually, well, not even being capable anymore. Most men portrayed in media are just incapable, but Jack incapable of what? Anything. Yeah. Just incapable of anything. You cannot rely on them. They're blundering fools and uh, they're just the butts of jokes and they Mm -hmm. need women to lead the situation because women are the only ones that have the right answers and shit. It's yeah, it's, it's bullshit. I, (laughs) How how was that for you actually? Apologies for me not asking, but how did did this all start for you? Like getting to Wayne to dog love things like that, wanting to do this podcast. Yeah, it really just came down to I couldn't keep chicks around past the third date, and <laughs> and so yeah, so I went on this this knowledge quest, and and you know bless her heart, the the gal that 
I broke up with that that I was with for four and a half years, she really got me into audiobooks. She was really big into self-help books and stuff. And before I met her, I was I would listen to podcasts, but otherwise the only books I'd ever read were novels and ne- never even considered reading a self-help book. And so when she introduced me, I think the first book that she sort of introduced me to was uh, Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. Mm. And I listened to that book and I was like, this is completely life-changing, completely changed my finances around that book. And, and so when we broke up, I was like, you know, I could download all these books and probably learn this stuff, like learn what the fuck I'm doing wrong. And uh, so, yeah, I got into that, got into a bunch of these books, got into Corey Wayne. I found the 3% man group on Facebook and that book, that group is a, like a real exclusive group of guys who are like serious about Corey Wayne's work. And it's funny because, you know, we've, we've mentioned rule, rule zero and uh, rule zero, there's a rule zero group on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've been on that group lately. I don't, I haven't been on the group lately, but I was in it a couple of years ago. I haven't and, been on Facebook in years. I despise that platform. Yeah, it's it's trash. But the Rule Zero Facebook group uh, is just, I, I hate to say it because I, I really like all the guys in Rule Zero. I learn a lot from those guys. But the group itself, and I think those guys basically uh, put it on autopilot anyway, but it is a cesspool of like women hating black pill nihilistic guys and it's just memes and shit like that and it's just it's just negative right and so the three percent man group they won't allow any of that in there and if you're not uh if you're just going in there and like sucking value out of the group if you haven't read the book like they they get rid of those people quick you know and they want guys that are not just in there to you know take so they'll go in there and say hey this is a text interaction i had right and they'll get critiques in there. Uh, if they're just doing that all the time and they're not giving back to the group, like, you know, doing date updates and sharing notes or whatever, like they get kicked out of the group because it's like, we're here to help each other, build each other up sort of thing. So I got into that group. I was really active in it. Every like date I went on at the end of the date, I would, you know, do a video and say, you know, this went well, this didn't go well, you know, this book's you know, these concepts in this book worked and, you know, so-and-so from the page said this, and I tried that and it worked great, you know, stuff like that. And finally the, they made me an admin in the group and I was just constantly interacting with everyone in there. And I just was like, you know, I should do a podcast about this and talk to the guys in the group. So that's, that's how this started. Nice men swapping notes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what all of this is really based on. Like, just men sharing interactions when there's in public, not really a space anymore for men to share interactions. Like if you're, I don't know if you've ever encountered this, but I have a, like my closest friend and I, we've been in the trenches as we say. Mm -hmm. And him and I cannot sit together on a social occasion because him and I are the only ones who've experienced certain things that okay. when uttered aloud would get like nuked out of orbit. It's like, 
oh, you're just women haters, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And the only reason you date young is because they're easy, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, never mind. Uh, let's shut up right now because this is not being appreciated. Even though we just like share experiences. Right. Yeah. No, we can't have that. Especially guys who don't have that experience will like double down on it real quick. Like, oh, the, the women don't like them saying this. Let me put forward my opinion as well, my lady. Like, these evil, whatever you want to call us, shall no longer bother thee with their opinions. Like, okay, never mind. I went but to a... You get, like, yeah. of course we're going to go to the internet and share experiences. Yeah, of course. I was at a party, uh, I think it was like 4th of July uh, last year. I was at a 4th of July party and I was at... Uh, so I... I was training for marathons all year last year. And uh, the, my training partner is this, is this gal that uh, is in this run club with me. And uh, so she invited me over and like, she's a, uh, I, I, I do, I have zero like romantic interest in this chick, but she's a good training partner. So hang out with her, went over there and she had these two friends over and she mentions my podcast to them. And she's like, oh, and she's like shit testing, you know, and giving me ribs and stuff like that about, oh, it's a man's podcast. So it's all about like womenizing and all this shit. And uh, and then she brings up the fact that I have a I have a girlfriend and uh, I call her nurse chick all the time on the podcast. And it's really just to give her privacy, you know, keep her anonymous because there's some imagine wanting privacy. Oh, my. There's there's trolls on the Internet. It's weird. What? So really? nah. yes. So at the party, she goes, Oh, and he's dating nurse chick. And she's like, Oh, you don't have her friend goes, you don't have the dignity to actually use her name. Like you don't have the common respect. And I was like, it's about keeping her anonymous, you know? <laughs> I was like, she likes me called nurse chick. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, thank you for making me realize you do not have the basic knowledge of understanding privacy. End of conversation. Have a nice night. <laughs> I just, I have a, that's how, that's how I handle those things. Like no time. No I, time at all. I get a kick out of it. You know, I just sort of laugh it off, but Oh, yeah, uh, but, I mean, don't take it seriously. No. And don't take it literally either. But it's like, don't argue with it. Just Mm-mm. pat her on the head, put the drawing on the fridge, and have a nice night. Yeah. Because you're not going to win. No. You're not going to win. And I mean, I had to learn this too. I, I really had to learn this because I make the stupid mistake of every now and then arguing with anybody about something. But that really is an ego thing. Uh huh. Um, Every time you argue with somebody, just ask yourself, what is it you want to do? Do you want to prove you're right or do you want to prove them wrong or whatever? Well, right. the thing is, if you are right, then why try to convince them? Like it's your life you want to improve, right? So just apply the knowledge you think is right and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. One, one thing I used to do, uh, and I, I've been, my original TikTok account got banned. I, I had like... 30,000 followers and just gone. And, uh, and a lot of the stuff I was doing was, you know, people would comment and I would, they, they have a, a feature on TikTok where you can do a video reply to a comment. And I was like putting people on blast. I was like stitching people's video and like talking shit and like that sort of stuff, like on TikTok just doesn't fly because TikTok's really, you know, they're a bunch of babies and, 
you know, that comes across as bullying. And I, I realized I, I really don't need to do that anyway. Um, and so like a lot of like the feminists that come in the comments, I just, I just put like a laughy emoji and just write, okay. <laughs> okay. And then that, that pisses them off. And I'm just like, well, whatever, you know, or I block them. I just don't even reply and just block. Them. I'm like, I'm moving about my day, man. I like, uh, don't have time to deal with any of this. I and I certainly don't want to get, and I certainly don't want to get reported, you know, so I just block oh, them. No. I mean, I do the same thing on Twitter. Like, oh, you've got pronouns in your bio block. Yeah. Just, just don't, just don't. It's, it's <laughs> the same as people who say capitalism failed instant block. And I used to have a coworker who was a staunch socialist because evil rich men like Jeff Bezos are exploiting the working class. And I'm like, why do you care? He's like, well, it's not fair. I'm like, why do you care what somebody else has when you don't have what you want? Because mm -hmm. he's not giving it to you. And the only thing you're doing now is throwing a temper tantrum in the hopes somebody would give you what you don't have. I'm like, Maybe capitalism has its flaws, but following that philosophy has given me better results than following the philosophy of socialism. Therefore, I'd rather lean that way. But the only thing they kept saying is, well, it's unfair. I'm like, who the hell cares that yeah. it's unfair? I can't change it. Nobody will change it. So why not focus on me instead? They couldn't comprehend it. I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> never mind yeah because these people will go through the ends of the earth to try and make everything equal they will tear the muscle of your body if it means they can get the same same muscle definition as you if they could let the government take it away they right. would and <laughs> equality no, thank you. I would rather put in the own work, my own work. I might never be as rich as Jeff Bezos or whoever, but at least following these principles, I will be better off than when I than where I were. Yeah, that was my tangent. <laughs> <laughs> That's your anti-socialism rant for the. Well, okay. no, it's it's not per se anti-socialism. It's yeah. anti everything that wants to argue because you're yeah. not going to convince them anyway. They're, yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah, my I was really raised uh, from a, in a very political family. My parents are still very political, and I, you know, we used to watch politics on TV like most families watch football. And oh god! And I, I finally realized like there, there's really no point to this. It's just making my life negative, and I, I just, I totally removed myself from it, and uh, it's. I've had a lot of uh, peace of mind. It's really great. But when I go to my parents' house, they try to drag me back into it. And I'm just like, mm, okay. And then <laughs> don't argue with them. Don't just go, okay, great. My, my father always told me, he's like, whether I vote right or whether I vote left, I'm going to have to pay anyway. So mm -hmm. who cares? Mm -hmm. And I always thought that was very nihilistic of him. But as I grew older, I'm kind of like, yeah, God damn it. The old man was right. But of course, I never tell it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course not. Of course not. So, getting back to uh, to books and stuff. So we mm. we went back and forth uh, about older men dating younger women, and I said that I I really don't like women in their twenties because of the generational gap and lack of connection. And you said that's a bit of a 
cope. So first of all, how dare you? And then mm-hmm. I, I had Rich Cooper on the other day and he told me that I should date those women and not worry about the connection and hang out with my boys for the connection. And so I'm just like, why are you guys all hating on my, my dirty 30 year olds? You know, I mean, seriously, strictly speaking, talking hormones, th- these women are horny as fuck, man. Like, come on. <laughs> First of all, like I mentioned in that same tweet, it was not a personal attack. I know, Absolutely I know. not. Yeah. Second of all, I tweeted that before I knew your own age. You okay. are like dating how much younger are 30 year olds compared to you? Like 12 I'm, years, 15 years? I'm 43. So my yeah, so well, 13. I'm going to I'm going to be 43 this year. My uh my girlfriend is nine years younger than me. So so like you're I'm still happy. dating younger. Yeah. To which I ask you, okay, my dear friend Paul, you mentioned the generational gap. Yes. What's nine years? Nine years. I mean, it's, it's I can talk Isn't to that her. a generational gap. It is, but it's like when I when I bring up um, pop culture references, right? Like at the beginning of the podcast, I, I I made a reference to Austin Powers. You know, you understood that, but you're also mm-hmm. 31, right? I mm-hmm. talked to I, I I went on dates with chicks like that are 25 and stuff, and you make a, a reference like that. They're just like, huh? But you make a Doja Cat reference. Oh, they're all over that. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just, I don't know. I just n- never felt a connection with those chicks, you know? So, okay. I, like, uh, yeah, just a connection over like the, the reference thing. I, uh-huh. I kind of get what you mean, but yeah. What I meant with, I find the phrase, yeah. uh, like, I don't feel a generational connection, a bit of a cope. And here's why. Okay. In my experience, most guys who say that have not been able to date that much younger. Right. Or haven't been able to date 23-year-olds at all, even when they were 23 or 25 or whatever. Right. They had to wait till, like, till they were 30 years old. And then all of a sudden, a 30-year-old woman shows up and, well, uh, my ship has come in. Now, Got it. Okay. What I mean about the generational thing, like I just said, you date 13 years younger. Mm-hmm. Paul, that's a generational thing as well. Like, sure. You can't fool me. So that <laughs> argument really doesn't hold up. Yeah, now, what to, does hold up to, to get me better, but okay, go to God. Yeah, I, I want to, like, yeah, of course they understand certain references, but why not enjoy the fact that they did not get those references where you can like hang out together and be like, Hey, this is what I was referencing to kind of thing. Uh, this really is years ago, by the way. And we like she was only three years younger than I was, but she had never seen Star Wars. Never. You should have dumped her right know. there. Get the fuck out of no, here. No, no. I was like, holy <laughs> shit, this is amazing. Yeah. She did not know Vader was Luke's father. She did not know that. What? We yeah. watched Empire Strikes Back, and I got her reaction on tape back then. She was yeah. completely shocked. I was like, I love that moment to see somebody. Not knowing that, uh-huh. even though it was such a well-known thing, that was just amazing. So I'm kind of like, screw that she doesn't understand the cultural references. Uh-huh. Enjoy the fact that she doesn't understand them. Okay. Yeah. That I, would have been I can neat. see that. But um, like that's a thing of like, why bother with the cultural thing, blah, blah, blah. Sure. But in, in general, 
the whole thing of dating younger is a bit of a stigma. Mm. And that's kind of what I mean with the cope part. Got it. Yeah. That girl, when I was dating her, it was a shock to me that I could date three years younger. Yeah. And I was so worried about what people would say. Mind you, back then I was like 21, 22. She was 18, 19. Uh-huh. But to me, that was like a shock. Like, she's three years younger. What would people say about that? Blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, as I got older, they kind of stayed the same age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Yeah. yeah but they, they, so like, I don't know how it is in, uh, in the Netherlands. It's probably the same, I would imagine. But there, there's, like, there's this rule of thumb out here. And I feel like women made this rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like it was older women that made this rule of thumb, but it's supposed to be half your age plus seven. Yeah, I heard about that. And, but I really feel like that's just so. And, and and they say, oh, that's so you don't appear creepy, like you're not dating too young. And I feel like it, that's got to be older women putting that bullshit out there. Well, you know? and and that's kind of what I meant with the co part. Again, it was yeah. nothing personal. It was not a personal attack. <laughs> Look at the um, social, what's that called again? Social, um, what's the word? Social imperatives. Is that the word I'm looking for? Uh The social stigma around that, where it's like, oh, you're just dating younger because they're easier. Um, There is nothing harder than dating younger women because of the attention they're getting. Yeah. It's just, that. that is not easy. That is certainly, your game has to be on point. Mind you, my game is not always on point. I will be very honest with that. I make mistakes, but you will be punished way harder when you're dating in their peak, so to say. Mm -hmm. Um, Second, when I hear guys like shout the uh, narratives back to me, I'm kind of like, you want to appease either the older women Mm -hmm. or... You just can get with the younger ones. Therefore, mm. you know what? They have to be uh, dumber. They have to be more unexperienced, blah, 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 mm-hmm. for you to stand a chance. That's what I'm looking at because the guys who told me personally that, oh, I don't want to date younger because they're they're so dumb and naive. They call me the misogynist, by the way, like they themselves calling younger women dumb and naive. Okay. But I'm the misogynist. <laughs> okay. They couldn't get with them. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm kind of like, I ask myself, why are they saying that? Yeah. Is that really because they find younger women to be more dumb and naive? Or is that because they have a bit of trouble getting with the younger people? Because you cannot tell me, we have the data on this, by the way. Yeah. We have the data on this in dataclism. That when a guy has the chat, the, the choice between a girl between 18 and 23 and a 30-year-old woman? No, oh, he's definitely going younger, for sure. He's definitely going younger. Mind you, fine. I'm not saying 30-year-old women can't be beautiful. They can be. I have seen plenty of 30-year-old women that are absolutely beautiful. I'm just saying mm-hmm. that if men had the gun-to-the-head choice yeah. of picking between the two of them, they would go for younger. Yeah, and they don't care really about like the cultural difference or the uh, the generational differences because even if you're 50 and you can date a 30 year old, you're gonna have differences. There is gonna be like a generational difference, right? 
you, you, so you mentioned Dataclism that, and so that's a book and you mentioned that one to me on, on Twitter too. What is, what does it specifically say about that? Like what kind of data is in Dataclism? Dataclism is the gathered metadata of choices people make on dating apps. It's about and, dating apps specifically. Uh, okay. Cupid specifically back oh. in the day. Okay. So the, the, the data taken from there is a bit old, but compared to like current data from Tinder and Bumble, it still holds up. Yeah. And what they found was that through the years of a man's lifetime, his preference stays around, and I think I have that here somewhere, stays around like 22, 21. And Mm -hmm. there's this weird outlier that when a man turns 45, all of a sudden he's interested in 24 year olds. Like, oh my God, you freak. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, You put that on it. You put that on a Twitter. Yeah. You're like, look at this weirdo. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> like, ew, what's next? He likes feet? Ugh. 24. <laughs> that's way too old, man. <laughs> you know, it's funny, but you know what? You mentioned the uh, data closum, and I'm listening to uh, Evolution of Desire right now. Mm. And because uh, Paul Benjamin was on the podcast and he recommended it. And I think Rollo talks about it a lot too. I know Rich talks about it. So, but that that book says that too. Like throughout evolutionary history, man men have looked at younger women, and they talked about this tribe, and they asked the tribesmen like, "What, like, how do you know, like, you know, what do you look for in a woman?" Basically, and the guy essentially says, "We look for a woman when she's ripe," and what that meant was is a younger gal that's like late teens, and you know that hasn't had kids yet. They consider them ripe and they don't like women that have already had children. They don't want anything to do with them. Well, and that's where the social conventions come in again, mind you, this, this is neither positive nor negative. Let mm-hmm. me, let me just say it's that. Just it just data. Yeah. <laughs> it just is ladies. Yeah. I'm not shitting on you. Whatever guys who are into like 30 year old women, I'm not shitting on you either. Just saying, Bare bone basics, if you ask a man gun to the head, he will probably go for the younger one. But um, like, let's say the PUAs who do day game, they don't know a girl's age. Like automatically, they're drawn to the younger women. Yeah. Now, in modern day, and if you've been on Tinder and you're a good looking guy and you have been with the younger ones, you can kind of calculate some things through to mm-hmm. when she's 30 multiply a certain things and then i ask you again would you really want to date a 30 year old now some guys would things like that whatever not all women are like that i know i know i know generalizations yeah. but like i've been that guy who's had a match at like 8 30 p.m on a friday night and 9 30 p.m things were happening Sure. But then she was like 21. Well, why are you still single at 30? Things like that. You probably already had kids. Maybe you've been divorced. You name it, whatever. This is not a bad thing. Life happens to you, of course. But let's say you're a guy and you can get with younger. He probably is going to choose for the girl who doesn't have that baggage. Yeah. If he can, if Mm -hmm. possible. Now, then comes 
what makes a guy possible to get there? And to put it bluntly, then you get to the physical aspect. Like <laughs> most guys in their 40s, even in their 30s, are not in shape. That's that's fucking true. That, that that's uh, one of the th- reasons why uh, I feel like I did pretty well on the dating circuit in my area, because if you turn the tables and look at the competition out here, th- there are some corn-fed fucking dudes out here that just you know they're beer guzzling. They don't they don't work out, and they're all like at, at least fifty pounds overweight and. And like, I, I, you know, I'm not like Mr. Bodybuilder or anything like that, but I'm, I'm, I'm thin, you know, <laughs> and even that puts you miles I'm, ahead. Right. And, and so that's one of the concepts I put out on, like in TikToks all the time is like, look, you really just have to be better looking than the next guy on, especially on dating apps, you know, mm. and you'll, you will fucking clean house. It's yeah. not that hard to be in the top 20% that people complain about all the time. Oh, no, it isn't. Like, I have a part-time job every now and then. Side hustle. Like, a job has become my side hustle. By God, man. Mm-hmm. Talk about success. But um, last week, I was there, and they were like, guess our age. I was, like, guessing, like, mid-30s, uh, early 40s. And they were like, I'm 24. I'm like, Wow. Double chin, balding. Really? Uh, in, Europe, in Europe too? I thought that was just a problem in America. No, it's here as well. And they were like, how old are you? I'm like, 31. It's like, what? I'm like, yeah. Oops. I I don't want to, I don't want to bag on like guys like that too much because like I said, when I when I got divorced, I was 50 pounds overweight and I was struggling on the dating circuit. I mean, I, I was floundering. I finally, but, but you know what? Women care about your personality. It's not about looks. It's not on dating apps. It is hundred <laughs> percent about looks. It really is. Uh, <laughs> nah, just be kind, man. Just be, carry your books. You know what? It's all about your personality. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's bullshit. <laughs> mm. So let's. How are you doing on time? We're almost at an hour here, mate. I can I can go for a while. I'm off today. Okay, cool. Yeah, I have my own podcast in the afternoon, but it's like 9 a.m. here. So yeah, it's 1 a.m. here. So I don't want to oh, be up, okay. so I don't want to be up too late. Time? I don't want to be up too late, but there are some things I want to talk about. So you you already mentioned red evening. Uh you also what's the difference between red evening and truth cast? Okay, that's a good one. So red evening is between me and Rob, just two blokes, normal guys uh-huh. who have red pill awareness, but go through daily lives. Like we're not multimillionaires, we're not successful business entrepreneurs, we're just Rob's pretty blue collar mm-hmm. and I'm just your average Joe in all honesty. Uh-huh. And that is just everyday life. What we talk about, like, how's your dating going? How's your work going? Things like that. Uh, what's your opinion on whatever state there is in the world? Okay. But that's together with Rob. Right. And, and Truthcast is me alone where mm-hmm. I wanted to do my own podcast as well. And I focus heavily on strength training there yeah. because uh, outside of the internet, things like that, I am a certified personal trainer, fitness trainer, things like that. And as with the books thing, I noticed a lot of guys have 
very simple, basic questions about strength training. And I was like, I can answer that. Yeah. That's not that hard. So even though Truthcast at first started like a bit of my own personal expression on things every now and then on dating, I was like, that just kept coming back. So I diverged a bit from the dating thing and went more to strength training, which really is my area of expertise. And I just freaking love it. I used to do amateur powerlifting, have a training partner, like the 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 whole vibe that goes on within powerlifting is just amazing. Yeah. And well, that's what it kind of became. So twice a week, I do the truth cast thing and I just go to the basics of strength training because a lot of guys go to the gym, which kudos on you that you're going, mm-hmm. but they have no idea what they're doing. That, like, oh, I'm training arms, right? Y- yeah, but you're not being consistent with it. Yeah. There's no periodization. There's no uh, exercise prioritization. There's no progressive overload. No, nothing. Right. So, yes, you're going to the gym and you're performing things, but there's no real... Yeah, the the, the pieces of the puzzle are everywhere. I see, I see, like, video clips on the internet of people going to, like, Planet Fitness and just, like, not knowing how to use the equipment, just being retarded with the equipment. And I, it just blows my mind because, I mean, in high school, I had to take weight training, you know, for... I heard about that. You yanks have that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, so, like, that was an option to take. I could take that or just standard gym class. And I was like, I'd much rather take weight training class. So, like, we learned how to lift... We learned how all the different equipment worked. We learned how to uh, keep a logbook and, you know, set, uh, you know, basically a training regimen. I, I did notice that uh, on one of your episodes, you do a lot of five by fives. Uh, for beginners, yes. Okay. Why I do that because starting strength is just yeah. perfect for yeah, beginners. Yeah. It has it has progressive overload. It has exercise prioritization, linear progress, which kind of is progressive overload. Mm-hmm. It has um, compound over isolation, and it's just the basic movements which covers everything. Yeah, it's, yes. it just covers everything so well. And a lot of guys don't know it. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I am the inventor of this amazing stuff. No, this is starting strength. It yeah. has been around for longer than I have existed. Yeah. And here is me introducing it to you. But then guys go like, okay, I did my squats, bends, and deadlifts. And then you look at their squats, bends, and deadlifts, and they're quarter rep squats, quarter rep deadlifts, uh, or just bent over deadlifts, where it's like their form looks like a shitting dog. Yeah. And half rep uh, bench presses. That's yeah. kind of where I come in. It's like, no, this is how you perform them. I even have that free course when you get on my mailing list, uh, the exercise performance course. Yeah. I just go through how you perform them and yeah. why does starting strength work, things like that. Got it. Then later on, you get to the, okay, I'm stagnating with my five by fives. Okay, let's see why that is. Because a lot of guys come to me and they're like, oh, my bench sucks. What do I need to do? Well, your um, you want to jump to the conclusion of you're probably not benching right or you're benching too few or whatever. No, take a step back. How's your sleep? Mm. How's your diet? How's your stress outside of the gym? These, these basic things people don't take into consideration because your sleep and your diet are your fundamentals. If those things are not in order, then 
whatever pre-workout or supplement or uh, accessory exercise you do mm -hmm. won't help if that isn't in order. And that's kind of where I come in with the truth cast where it's like, no, you got to get back to the basics because I get that question all the time. Like what supplements do I need to take? Mate, I don't know because I don't know your diet. I don't know yeah. your blood work. I don't know these things. Yeah. It can get you back to the basics before you get on with all these supplements or whatever. How's your sleep? How's your diet? How's your water intake for Christ's sake? Mm -hmm. A lot of people haven't got that in order even. Yeah. Like I, I'm not able to lose weight. Back to the basics. How's your diet? And this is something a lot of people trip over their liquid calorie intake. Oh yeah. That's the worst. Yep, because That's... a lot of people don't know how much calories are actually in an energy drink. Um, those those horrible fruit juices, but it's healthy, right? It's fruit. Meanwhile, you yeah, look at the pure package, sugar. It's pure bingo. Sugar. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. They think they're healthy, yeah. but they're not. Oh man, yeah, because I. So I'm a I'm a big fan of just counting calories. I yes. I lost I lost all my weight counting calories. And if you just do that simple task, you start realizing what's in everything and like how many calories are in everything. And it's just, it's mind boggling what's in drinks. Like, you, yeah, like you said, like orange juice. Oh, well, orange juice is healthy, right? Vitamin C. Yeah, dude, but it's all sugar. It's all fructose. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's got a crap load of calories. Your, uh, you know, even your, your light beer has about 100 calories in it, you know? And that adds up, especially when you're drinking a sixer at the end of a hard day, you know, like yeah. <laughs> that's 600 calories right there. Coffee with milk and sugar. That mm -hmm. adds up. Yeah. That adds up. So like with what I do with my clients, it's just a very simple thing. What do you drink per day? Because usually those small little things, you can already win a ton on that. Yeah, yeah I do coffee with creamer. Skip the creamer. But then mm -hmm. I don't like coffee. Then drink tea. Yeah. Like, sounds a bit else. blunt. It sounds yeah. a bit blunt, but you have to make them realize, like, mate, I get you like the cream on the coffee, but that is excessive calories. Mm -hmm. That is a caloric intake yeah. that you could skip on. Yeah, I, I, I had to develop a taste for, um, and, and, and nutrition-wise, it's still trash, but, um, but uh, sweet and low. Like, I, I stopped like eating sugar years ago just specifically because of the calories in it. And switch to sweet and low. And now I can't even drink coffee with regular sugar in it. It's I'm just so used to the sweet and low because of the calorie thing. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's not healthy for you. Tumors and rats, whatever. But oh yeah, okay, okay. But okay. you know what? I, I, the I abs heard. are worth it. Okay. <laughs> no, okay. Like I'm gonna stop you right there because I've heard about those research things like aspartame. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Diet Coke is uh, creates cancer. Bull effing shit you have, to, have you have to drink so much of it i have read the actual yeah. research on that because we had a class on that during my pt course and it's like this yes it is cancer inducing if if you drink 60 cans of coke light diet coke apologies mm -hmm. if you drink 60 cans of diet coke for six months straight the chance of cancer is increased by one percent yeah. <laughs> That's how the media fucks with you. Yeah. Same as red meat. You yeah. have to eat tons of red meat 
a day for an excessive amount of time to increase the chance of cancer by one fucking percent. And that's how I get with those stupid headlines of red meat causes cancer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nonsense. (laughs) Mm. As I'm drinking my, my zero sugar soda right now. No, but I hate that so much because there is so much good in red meat when it comes to micronutrients. Oh, I love red meat. Yeah. 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 Look up Stan Efferding, the uh, vertical diet. He has like a three-hour presentation free on YouTube. Yeah. He goes through it. He goes through all the details, which explains it way better than I could do. Just watch that. It's uh, it's a presentation he does in Iceland because he used to train uh, Haftor Bjornsson. Oh, yeah. In the world. Brilliant presentation on diet. Just go watch that about the iron, the... Um, iodine, uh, what else, calcium, whatever, everything that's in red meat and egg yolks and things like that, and all the other things the mainstream diet advice tells you not to do. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, I, I mentioned this book to you on, uh, on Twitter, but um, man, man 2.0, Engineering the Alpha, it talks mm-hmm. a lot about uh, the benefits of, of eating whole eggs and how uh, they have testosterone boosting um, nutrients in there. And it's like really good for men, especially if you're bodybuilding to eat whole eggs, not, not just the whites, but the, the fat and the yolk actually. I mean, the yolk testosterone. is great. It's a great vitamin source. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not spouting bullshit. This is all on record. Everybody yeah. can like look this up. One thing I, I have noticed though, I'm a, I love documentaries and my favorite documentaries are food documentaries, like on all the different diets, right? Like forks, forks over knives and shit like that. Right. I found over the last, I don't know, eight years of just watching all the food documentaries on Netflix and and Amazon that all the diets out there, all site studies that show why their diet is the best diet. And they all have evidence why theirs is the best. And so I really, I'm just like, you know what? You really just have to pick the diet that you can stick with. Yes. <laughs> Compliance is the science. Yeah. Compliance is the science. And um, the way I recommend certain diets to clients, which I don't really do. I just tell them the basics of food and how it really works. And I let them go from there. Sure. Is which food sources, which nutrient force, uh, sources make you supplement the least. Mm-hmm. And I go from there because the best source of every, any micronutrient, macronutrient is whole foods. And this is why I have a natural disdain for the vegan and vegetarian diet. Yeah. Like no diet that, make, that lets you supplement that much can be healthy for you. Yeah. No. I'm not even arguing that anymore. Like I said, permablock already. <laughs> when I see vegan in your Twitter dial, you're, you're done for. So yeah. nope, vegan, your- if you have pronouns, if you have a fucking rainbow flag, look, it's not about your sexual preference. It's the fact that you're a fucking asshole and you're a part of cancel culture. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> that's when I already know where it's going. Like, <sighs> this is so stupid as well. Well, like most vegetarians <laughs> I know are fat. How? Yeah. How can this be? Just because Ben and Jerry's has a vegan logo on it doesn't mean it's good for you. 
kind of how they operate. And oh my God, if you're going to put this on TikTok, we are going to, oh my God, this is going to go. Oh, I'm going to put this specific clip on TikTok. Oh my God. No, I won't. I I pick and choose. (laughs) Oh man. No, because they are angry. They They are are an angry bunch. They are. God. Um, let me ask you one more question here about fitness and then, uh, we can, we can sort of move on here, but why do you hate running? Oh God. Why do I hate running? <laughs> because running is for women and children. <laughs> How dare you? How dare no, you? No, I dare. No. I dare. Sure. I dare. Sure. Well, because I don't see any use for running other than being capable of running a marathon. Okay. It is high intensity, high stress on the joints. Um, high intensity, low duration. How do I always phrase that? Apologies, loss of words. But I don't see any use of being able to run. Yeah, and f- running from your problems or the enemy. What because- about? Okay, so so you don't like running. What about just you know cardio conditioning of some? Okay, kind? okay, mate. Do a set of squats uh-huh. with high reps. And a high intensity, and tell me again that doesn't do anything for your cardiovascular health. Well, I, I wouldn't argue. I, I wouldn't argue that it wouldn't. I'm just, I just, I prefer, I prefer running. I just like it better. Yes, and yeah. that's where you kind of get with the internet with the extremes. If you like running, I'm not going to stop you. Yeah, I'm absolutely not going to stop you. And I tell this to clients as well. Who go to me with, I just like running. I'm not going to stop you. I'm just saying in the long term. In mm-hmm. the long run, low intensity, high duration cardio is better for your overall well-being because okay. it's not so stressful on the joints and you can keep it up longer. And there are plenty of articles by Mark Ripito on why we don't run and things like that. No, honestly, most marathon runners just don't look healthy to me. Yeah. Like the, yeah. They're, I, they're I, scrawny, so I, I, like the wind can like break them. I'm yeah. Like, that's why, uh, so I'm in a, I'm in a local runners group and we meet up like on Wednesdays and, uh, it's sort of like my social circle in real life. And yeah, it's all, it's all runners. There's a guy in that group who's 80, he's going to be 84 this year. Mm-hmm. He's ran every major marathon in, in the world. And I think he's got over a hundred thousand miles uh, on him and He's, he's just, he's amazing, but yeah, you're right. Like he's, he's super thin and that's why I, I, I am a big proponent of, uh, of also weight training because I don't want to be skinny fat. You know, I want to, I like being toned, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's why I like, I like incorporating weight training in with my, with my running. Yeah. Well then it's kind of how I view, um, health in general, which exercises, which um, actions give you the most bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. Like I want to improve my cardiovascular health. Okay. Like I just mentioned, squats. Uh, yeah. well, not per se squats, like high volume, uh, low intensity strength training. Yeah. You do uh, cir- cir- circuit training, right? Well, things like that could be a possibility, mm-hmm. uh, boxing, things like that. Yeah. But I wouldn't recommend certain things that give you such a high stress on the joints. Okay. Because you want to continue using those for a long duration of time. Mm-hmm. And what does running give you? Well, a lot of stress on the knees, things like that. Of course, exception to the norm, 84-year-old guy who keeps running. Sure, mm-hmm. go ahead and do it. Like I said, 
But I would look at the benefits of running and then look at a better option to give the same results. Okay. Which is less stressful kind of thing. Okay. That's, that's how I look at that. Yeah, but I think that, I that's think what you fair. get with most in fitness. Like everybody has the magic bullet. Sure. I will tell you right now, I do not have a magic bullet. Yeah. I don't. I can only tell you these things give you certain outcomes as long as they um, hold to these certain principles. Got it. And again, I'm not a big fan of running because I don't see the return on investment on it. Okay. Also, I hate the guys who say, I do cardio. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, you, you know the guys I mean? I do know, yeah. I know. Like, they're, they're somewhere and somebody brings up that you're weight training and it's like, oh, I bench this much. Well, I could have benched that much if I wanted to, but well, I can at least run five miles within that short, in that amount of time. And I'm like, okay, cool. So you can run away from your problems. I'd rather stand and face them. Thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've had those interactions. I was like, well, I can run this fast in that amount of time. It's like, okay, cool. What What do you want me to do? What? Yeah. I, I'm of the mindset of just like, are you, are you getting the results you want from that? Cool. You know? What's the best training schedule? The one that you can follow? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's It goes with a diet, right? Like uh, they all work. Uh as long as you're consistent with it, you know, it's like, same with the exercise. If, if you're consistent with it, you'll probably have results. Yeah. Compliance is the science. I got that from Stan Efferding because you can hammer on about, no, this is the best. No, that is the best. What's best is what the client can follow. Mm -hmm. Of course, there are certain guidelines you want to uphold like progressive overload. That is one. Yeah. The client has to keep progressing as time goes by. Uh, exercise prioritization, like comp, Pout movements uh, come before isolation, things like that. But I have one client right now. He's very much into front squats. And I just ask him, like, why do you do front squats? Not because I want to change anything. Like, can you argue your position, quote, unquote, argue, can you defend your position to me mm -hmm. in a way that makes sense? Okay. If that is a yes, I'm not going to tell him, no, back squats are better than front squats. I'm just glad he's squatting. Yeah. Thank God he's doing something. Like, I'm the, fuck the details on that one. <laughs> Let's say he's like, I can't back squat because of my trapezius or whatever, or my shoulder is giving me guff when I do it. Yeah. So I prefer front squat. Sure. Keep on squatting in the free world, man. Do it. Some people are so focused on the details. Then it's like, no, I wanted to back squat. No, you want him to squat. Mm -hmm. He's doing it, which is good. Is he progressing in squatting? Yes. Keep going. No, no, there's no use for this dogmatic outlook on training. Same thing as running. Of course, I'm going to joke about running because I fucking hate it. But that doesn't mean that running doesn't have its benefit. Uh -huh. it has, like the endorphin rush you're going to get. Like people who are depressed, and I think this has been proven, people who are experiencing depressing uh, depression, sorry about that, when they run, it gives them a sort of stress relief. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, I hate running and I think you shouldn't run. Yeah. No. Mate, if you have benefit from running, go ahead and do it. Please do. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't squat, goddammit. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So uh, getting off this topic here, another thing that uh, I wanted to ask you about, and we've already mentioned a couple of these. 
but uh, like you've done uh, Troy Francis's books and like, and you've mentioned uh, someone else's too, but how many audiobooks have you narrated now? Uh, top of my head, nine. Wow. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, you sent them to me on Twitter. So I'm going to, I'm going to put them all in the description, but yeah, there's, there's a, there's a bunch there. Do you, um, maybe this is a personal question. You don't have to answer, but do the authors pay you directly or do you just get a a part of the sale process? We have an arrangement. Okay. I think that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just curious how that works. I, cause I'm, I'm in the process of writing a, a book myself and I'm like, do I, do I want to hire someone to do the audio? Do I want to even attempt to do it myself? I don't even know, but uh, no, there, there's a multitude of methods and it all depends on what the author deems most um, because it can be a bit of a hassle depending yeah. on what you arrange. Yeah. Some authors want to go that route. And some authors are kind of like, no, I'm the intellectual owner. Here's your money. Now do it. So okay. really depends. Okay. Yeah. Curious about that. Um, so I'm European. And when you would release it via, uh, what's that called? Audible. Uh-huh. Audible allows for um, a 50-50. Okay. Only if the narrator <clears throat> is an American or Brit. Really? What? Yep. Is that why? Is that why? Like all your books that you're you uh, talk about are on Gumroad. Yes. Okay. Because Amazon, like, even though I was defending Jeff Bezos at the beginning of this, Amazon is one son of a bitch when Uh it comes to revenue. They take like sixty percent or something like that from an audiobook. Yeah. Nah, man. You can be the biggest platform in the world, but fuck that. That's. You're. I, I had a uh, the first author I, I had on my podcast. Um, God, this guy named MJ Durkin, and he basically said the same thing. He was like, he's like, fuck Amazon. Like, I, I, I'd much rather, you know, go through uh, a different publisher to self-publish and then order a bunch of copies and try to sell it myself than to try to go through go through Amazon because they really really screwed the authors on that. So. <laughs> gum road got it yeah you know it's funny too when i had rollo on i hadn't even heard of gum road and rollo talked about uh you know grifters and stuff and he's like oh these guys they go on gum road they 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 sign up for a gum they sell gum road course they got books and stuff like that and and then i uh you know i saw you tweeting back and forth with everybody and i was like this motherfucker's got a gum road Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> is he well, talking the, is he talking about Jack maybe? <laughs> no, no, oh, thank God. Thank God he he's not. At least I hope. Yeah. The last time I checked, Rolo and I are on good terms. Last time I checked. <laughs> but, um the thing is, he's not wrong because yeah. Gumroad is one of these platforms that's so easily accessible that has that it has become a meme in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of guys are selling books on there, which are nothing more than PDF files and a pamphlet. Mm-hmm. Rolo is right about that. Yeah. The thing is, though, Gumroad is takes care of its users. Okay. They they give you, uh, like, they only take like the max is I believe a ten percent cut for using their platform. Mm. But it gets a bad rap because of the meme. 
But overall, Gumroad is a very good platform for its authors, users, uh, you name it. But because since it's so easily accessible, you're going to have a bunch of, uh, there's a bunch of bad apples in there as well. Yeah. And that's where the meme stems from. Got it. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. All right, Jack. It is almost 1.30 in the morning my time, so I'm going to let you go. Where can people find you online? Okay. On Twitter, it's at Jack Napier Knows. And on YouTube, you'll probably find me on the, under the same handle. If not, just type in Jack Napier Red Evening. You'll find me there. Subscribe to the channel, like the videos, things like that. And all the other links are spread around those two platforms. So uh, that's about it. By the way, you want to, uh, like, after you stop recording, you hang out still a bit? Or is it just I cut away completely? No, we, we can talk after this. Yeah, that's okay. fine. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> All right, Jack. Good talk to you, brother. Same. Thank you for having me, Paul. I appreciate it. Jack, thanks for joining me. Really appreciate it, brother. You're welcome back anytime. Really good conversation. I like our interactions on Twitter lately. I think I think those are fun. <laughs> I'm glad that I was able to virtually meet you uh, over Zoom at least. Maybe one of these days I can head out to the Netherlands when the world stops being stupid and crazy with all this COVID nonsense and uh, traveling isn't such a pain in the ass. All right, guys, that's all I have this week. We'll catch you on Monday. This has been the Come On Man podcast. New full episodes served hot every Monday morning on your favorite podcast platform of choice. So subscribe now. Follow Paul on social media. The links are in the description. Now, go out and get it.